Good morning. I'm glad you're here this morning. I uh, felt a little self-conscious about Yancey asking everyone to stand because maybe he thinks the sermon's going to be long or something today. <laughs> Hopefully it won't be uh, long enough to be a problem, though. I've got a question for you. Do you know who Mary's... Mary, I already messed up my question. Do you know who Jesus' mother was? Okay. Most of you know who Jesus' mother was. There was a story that happens in the life of Jesus that is really a little odd, and I want us to talk about a little bit this morning. In the book of Matthew, chapter 12, Jesus is preaching, and he's in an area where there's a bunch of people that have gathered around him, and his mom and his brothers come to see him. They come to talk to him. And we read that while he was still speaking to the people, behold, his mother and his brothers stood outside seeking to speak to him. But he replied to the man who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Now, this wasn't a senior moment with Jesus. But he's here preaching. All these people are gathered around. His mom and his brothers show up. Somebody comes in and says, Hey, your mom and brothers are here. They want to talk to you. And he looks at him and he goes, Who's my mother? Who are my brothers? That's really a strange thing to say, isn't it? I want us to talk just for a little while this morning about the mother and father of Jesus Christ and learn just a little bit about them and uh, hopefully understand why Jesus would say this. First, you know her name is Mary. I messed that up when I very first started. The mother of Jesus was Mary. Okay? What can we learn about Mary and Joseph from the Scriptures? You might say, what do you know about Mary and Joseph? Think about that for a second. What do you know about Mary? I mean, we know that Catholics worship statues of Mary, right? Uh, but what do you really know about Mary? Well, let's look. In the Scriptures, when you go and read in Matthew and Luke, you'll find genealogies of Jesus. Okay, And the genealogies go all the way back to Abraham. Well, actually, all the way back to Adam. And they're different. I can remember years and years ago reading and reading in Matthew and going, oh yeah, that's over in Luke, and looking and, well, these are different people. The lists are different. Well, the difference is... The one in Matthew is the paternal line. The one in Matthew is the ancestry of his father, Joseph. The one is Luke. in Luke is the ancestry of his mother, Mary. Now, we're not going to talk a lot about how we know that and all right now, but just suffice it to say that you've got the genealogy of these people, and they were both descendants of David. You remember King David? I mean, a powerful the most powerful, the most godly king that Israel ever had. They were direct descendants of this guy. They were descendants of Abraham. They had quite the lineage behind them, okay? So they were also both from this town of Nazareth. Now Nazareth was north of Jerusalem, and Nazareth was a small town compared to around here, compared to the Metroplex. It had about 20,000 people. Now at the time, that was a big town. okay, And it was a blue-collar town. It wasn't like Corinth or Rome. It was a blue-collar town. It was a town where just normal, working-class folks lived. okay, 
and it wasn't an important town other than the fact that it's where Jesus came from. They just were normal people in a normal town as far as we know. We know that Joseph was a carpenter. The Bible here in Matthew 13 talks about or tells us this, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas? Now this is when Jesus starts preaching in his local area and Jesus has grown up in the trade of his father. And his dad, Joseph, was a carpenter. I mean, he wasn't some political figure. He wasn't mayor of the town. He, he was just a carpenter. I mean, he's the guy that you would call if your barn door broke and you needed it fixed. He's the guy you would call if you needed some furniture. He was just a carpenter. And I'll tell you this, we have no evidence at all that he was any kind of extraordinary carpenter. I mean, there's not any indication that he was the guy who would have a million followers on YouTube if he did his carpentry on the, on the YouTube channel. He was just a normal guy. I mean, if he was sitting in here with us, he'd fit right in. He was just a regular, everyday Joe. Or everyday Joseph. <laughs> now... This guy is also betrothed to this woman. The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Now betrothed, we don't do betrothals anymore, do we? At least not here in the United States. There are probably places in the world that do this still. A betrothal was like getting engaged. Okay, You remember when you got engaged? And you buy her the ring and maybe if you're debonair, you get down on one knee and you hold it up and all that. But you get engaged. What that says to everyone, she puts on that ring and she's, we are going to be married, right? Betrothal was like that, only it was a step beyond that, okay? Betrothal was so strong that it took a divorce to break it. So you didn't just change your mind. Have you ever known anyone that got engaged and then changed their mind? I've known people that did that. Okay, You couldn't do, do that back then. Betrothal was basically we are man and what he was responsible for her. He financially took care of her, but they didn't live together as man and wife until the wedding. Betrothal was usually, as I understand, about a year or so long. And so, these, this young couple, they were, I mean, it was locked in. They were going to be married. They were betrothed to one another. There wasn't any other way around this. And if one of them wanted out, they had to get a divorce. It was a very serious relationship that they were in. So let's talk about, that's just the basics about them. Let's talk about what kind of people they were. What kind of people do you think Joseph and Mary were? Well, we can know some things from Scripture. One, they were morally upstanding people. They had a very high moral standard. They didn't live just like everyone else lived. They lived with great dedication to the moral standards of Judaism, of their God. Let's read here. 
The angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man named David whose whose name was Joseph, or to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. She was a virgin, yet they were betrothed. You know, that's pretty unusual in our world today for people to remain morally pure and wait for sexual relations until they're married. Especially once they get engaged. I mean, we're going to be married anyway, right? You know, this woman, this young lady, had moral standards that she would not compromise. Now, I can tell you a couple of things. One thing we know about her is if she had compromised her morality, if she had gone ahead and slept with Joseph before they got married, she would not have been chosen to be the mother of Jesus because the prophecy was a virgin would give birth. She couldn't have been... We'd never, we'd never have heard her name if she had compromised that. She had strong moral standards. You know the Scriptures tell us to flee fornication. They say stay away from that. I know in the culture that we live in, that's just no big deal. People celebrate living together. They celebrate. I heard uh, my wife listens to Delilah on the radio. <laughs> Not me, but she does. And it's on the radio sometimes. And we were listening. She was listening to it the other night. And someone called in and they were telling this story about how, uh, how that her fiancé or her love of her life had, had uh, given her a ring and they were going to get married. And she was telling the story about it and she said something about, yeah, our son came in and told me, oh, I know what Dad got you for Christmas. Well, you know, they've just been living together as a family. They weren't married. That's okay in our culture, isn't it? I mean, don't most people believe that's fine? God says no. God says flee fornication. He says don't be involved in that and we as Christians should stand by that moral standard. Joseph and Mary did. They believed that moral standard. It's always been God's law and it's God's law today. The Bible tells us that Joseph, her husband, was a just man. You know what it means to be just? It says, Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. Just means he wanted to do what was right. He wanted to do what was good. He cared about what was right. He didn't just care about getting what he could get. But he cared about doing what was right. You know, that seems to be being lost in our culture today. Because a lot of times you can get away with a lot of stuff that's just not right, can't you? Can't you get away with stuff that isn't right? I mean, something as simple as cheating to get your grade in school. If you can get away with it, is there anything wrong with that? Joseph was the kind of man who wanted to do what was right. You know, if you hired Joseph to work on your barn, you wouldn't have to worry that he was padding his hours. 
that he was dragging his feet and taking six hours to do something that was a two-hour job. You didn't have to worry about that with Joseph because he was a just man. He was fair-minded. He wanted to do what was right. Wouldn't our world be better if everyone wanted to do what was right? Wouldn't that be great business-wise or just in all of life? They were morally upstanding people. But they were not just good people. These people were also very spiritually concerned. They were concerned not just about being good to people, but they were concerned about... and being spiritually concerned. What do I mean by that? I mean, spiritual stuff mattered to them. You know, I told you they lived in Nazareth. Nazareth was 90 miles north of Jerusalem. 90 miles. And every year, this young couple would walk 90 miles to celebrate the Passover in Jerusalem. We find stories, the only, actually the only story of Jesus when He was a little boy happens after they've walked 90 miles to Jerusalem. Now, have you ever had to walk a long way? My car broke down one time when Carrie and I had just moved to, to where we live. And I was over in Frisco and the, she was out of town and my car broke down. And um, I thought, ah, I'll just walk home. It was eight miles. Oh, my stars. I didn't think I'd ever get there. Ninety miles? Would you walk ninety miles to get to church? I said, well, they only did it once a year. Would you walk ninety miles once a year to get to church? One way? And then you've got to walk ninety miles to get home? Think about that. You know, this was a week-long celebration. You add walking 90 miles there and walking 90 miles back, you're looking at close to two weeks without work. You know, he didn't get paid time off. There was no PTO in his contract. He was a carpenter. He had to go two weeks without income to walk this 90 miles to go to church. Not only that, but it cost him to go. He had to save up and plan financially for the year. One, to do without those two weeks of income, but number two, to be able to buy food and all the things that are necessary to take a trip like that. When I think about that, you know what I think? I think these people were spiritually concerned. I think these people wanted to worship God. Not only did they accept His high standards, not only did they commit themselves to the moral obligations that God laid on them, but they said, you know what? It's not just something, it's everything. It matters to us. They sought to please God and be spiritually involved. Another thing we know about them is that they had great faith. Joseph and Mary both had tremendous faith. I want you to think about this with me for just a moment. Mary, this young betrothed woman, has never been with her husband, Joseph, yet. 
And one night an angel comes to her, and the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now, I can't fathom, one, what it would be like to have God come speak directly to me or send an angel to speak directly to me. I, I don't know what that would be like. Probably be pretty impressive, I would think. But this angel comes to her and he says, Listen, Mary, you're going to have a baby. And she says, Oh... <laughs> I mean, I'm not married yet, but I know how this stuff works. And, uh, I, you know, I've not been with a man. I, I can't have a baby. And he says, yes, you're going to have a baby. It's going to be a miracle. It's going to be the Son of God. And you're never going to have been with a man. Now, I have no doubt Mary knew the prophecies. She knew the prophecy that the Messiah would be born of a virgin. And he says, you are going to have this child. Now, I want you to think about that. That's a pretty big... Just having a child is a big commitment, but agreeing to this... I mean, think about it. Who is going to believe her that it was a miracle? I mean, she shows up and she's just expecting a baby and everybody goes... Mary, what have you been doing? And she says, no, it's a miracle. It's a miracle, I promise. Would you believe that? If someone just showed up saying that, there's not a one of us in here who would believe that because we know better. It doesn't work that way. But it did this time. The Bible says that Mary said, Behold the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. She says, Okay, that's fine. Now, I want you to understand what she's agreeing to. She is going to be branded as an adulteress. Every person who knows her is going to think she's been sleeping with someone. Every person who knows her is going to... Her parents are going to believe that about her. Her aunts and uncles and cousins are going to believe that about her. All the people down at the synagogue are going to believe that about her. Everyone she knows is going to believe she's an adulteress. Not one person is going to accept her story that it's a miracle from God. No one. Would you agree to that? Would you agree to be known as an adulteress or an adulterer even when you weren't guilty of that? Not only that, but she may lose her husband. You know who else isn't going to believe this story? Joseph is not going to believe this story. You know, the, what happened was that when the angel told her this, he said, also your cousin Elizabeth is expecting. She tells Joseph, she says, I need to go and visit my cousin Elizabeth. She's expecting a baby. And she leaves. When she comes back, she's expecting a baby. You think Joseph is going to believe nothing's been going on? He's not going to believe that. You know, if he chooses to, he can have her put to death as an adulteress. And everyone on the jury would vote guilty. Not only that, 
But this is an impossible story. You know, for someone to tell something that's not true, people do that all the time, right? But normally we try to have plausible deniability, right? I mean, we try to tell the story in such a way that it can't be proved, it can't be checked on and all. But there is not a person alive who's going to believe this impossible story. And if you're going to tell a story, why not make up a story like, oh, I got raped, or oh, this... Why not make up a story like that? No, she has to tell that this is a miracle, I'm still a virgin, but God did it, and I'm going to have a child that came from God, and there's no one who's going to believe this. I want you to think about the faith of a young girl to agree to that. It took a lot of faith. It took a lot of commitment to Jesus Christ, or to the Father <laughs> to bring Jesus Christ into this world this way. She's going to be looked down on, possibly lose the man that she loves. Now we all know how the story turned out, but she didn't know how it was going to turn out at the time. Think about Joseph. Joseph, his fiancée, betrothed, goes off to visit her cousin for three months. When she leaves... She's not expecting a baby, and when she comes back, she is. And he says, what have you done? And she goes, it's a miracle. God did it. I think about that. Do you know how brokenhearted he was? Broke his heart. The woman that he loves has gone off and cheated and she doesn't even have the dignity to confess and tell him the truth. It's not like she can deny it. She doesn't even have the dignity to tell him the truth. has to give him this ridiculous story about it being some kind of a miracle from God. Would you go ahead and marry somebody who treated you that way? Who lied to you like that? Joseph wasn't going to. Now, he was a just man. He didn't hate Mary. You know, the law would have allowed him to have her stoned. But he didn't want to do that because he was a just man. He loved her. He didn't wish ill on her, but he certainly didn't want to hitch the rest of his life to a woman who would be unfaithful to him before they were even married and then lie and tell him this crazy story. And then the Bible tells us that an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So he has decided he's going to divorce her privately, not make a big public spectacle out of her immorality. And he goes to bed that night and an angel visits him and says, she's telling you the truth, dude. You know what he did? The Bible says that Joseph, being aroused from the sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. You know what he did? Okay, God, that's great. Keep doing that, don't I? Okay, God, that's great. 
That's what you say. You might say, well, you know, if an angel talked to me, I'd, I'd say okay too, right? But I want you to think just a little bit about what this means for Joseph. Number one, <clears throat> if this is true and she has been chosen to be the mother of the Son of God, you know who Joseph's going to be the rest of his life? He's just going to be Mary's husband. There's not going to be Joseph and his little family. It's going to be, there's the mother of God and her husband. <laughs> He's not going to be any... Would you give up all of your personal recognition to just be a servant of God? You know, that really happened to Joseph. I mean, we know almost nothing about him from this point on. We know he was there when Jesus was 12 and then he's just never mentioned again. He's just a guy who was there. But a guy of great faith. A guy of great passion and commitment to what God wanted. You know what's going to happen to him when this baby's born? What's going to happen to him when this baby's born is Herod's going to try to kill this baby. And he's going to get a warning. And you know what he's going to do? He's going to abandon his job and move to Egypt. Language he probably didn't even speak. He'd been, spent all this time building up his clientele, building up his reputation to be a, a carpenter in the area of Nazareth, and he's just not going to come back. Once they go to Jerusalem, go to Bethlehem, baby's born, they just don't come home. What happened to Joseph? I don't know. I heard they went to Egypt. He gave up his family and his friends. He couldn't be around. He gave up his business. He gave up his reputation. And you know what else? All of his life, this guy, not just Mary, but this guy's going to be branded as a fornicator. Because his fornications sleep together before the wedding. And you know what? Why on earth would a man go ahead and marry his pregnant betrothed if he wasn't the father? Right? I mean, the only reason the guy would go ahead and marry her is if he's really the father, right? He surely wouldn't marry a woman who had been cheating on him. And so everyone who knows them now, not only is going to think Mary has been unfaithful, and been immoral. But now they're going to believe Joseph was also immoral. And well, you know, those things happen. You know, sometimes people get to expect in a baby before they get married and go ahead and get married. And But I want you to know their culture was not like our culture. I know I seem old to some of you, don't I? Eddie says no. I'm quite a bit younger than Yancey. <laughs> when I was in high school, a girl in my class, when we were juniors, got pregnant. And you know what happened? Now, I know this is the last millennium, but she dropped out of school and moved off and lived with relatives. You might say, man, that seems like the little house on the prairie days. That wasn't that long ago. Nowadays, is anyone ashamed of expecting a baby out of wedlock? Anyone? No. 
Nobody's ashamed of that anymore. It's not humiliating. It's not embarrassing. We throw parties for them. Yay! You know. But back then, I want you to know that was a big deal. You were looked down on by everyone for that. It was a humiliation. When I was in high school, it was a humiliation to that family because they were a Christian family for that young lady to get pregnant. That's why she went and lived with relatives. It was a shame to them. And Joseph and Mary were both agreeing to bear that shame and those false accusations and that false guilt throughout their life. You know, Jesus, when He had conflict with the Pharisees, the Pharisees were, were great politicians and they were good at digging up dirt on people. There's no doubt that they had researched Jesus. And you know what they said to Him one time? As Jesus was dealing with them, they said to Him, we were not born of fornication. We have one Father, God. Do you think that was an accident that they said that? They look at Jesus and they go, we know where you came from, dude. But not us. We weren't born of fornication. Joseph and Mary carried that stigma of being immoral for the rest of their lives. Another thing about Joseph and Mary is that they just didn't understand. I mean, they'd been told... God had said it's going to be the Son of God and you know it's going to be a miracle. They knew that, but they just didn't get it. They just didn't understand the things. You know, the only story we have of Jesus when He was young is when they'd walked the 90 miles down to Jerusalem and they had gone through the Passover and they headed home and they get a day's journey away and Jesus is gone. And they turn around and they go back to town and they start looking for Jesus. And I don't know if you've ever lost a child, but it's a scary thing if you've ever lost a child. Can you imagine getting a day away where you can't get there for a whole day and your kid's lost in Dallas? I mean, during the Super Bowl party that happened downtown Dallas, I mean, that's kind of what it was like. It was terrifying to them. And they went and they looked and they looked and they looked and they finally find Jesus three days later. And when they find Him, He's in the temple and He says this, Why did you seek Me? Did you not know that I must be about My Father's business? But they did not understand the statement which He spoke to them, but His mother kept all these things in her heart. They just didn't understand. You would think they would know... Jesus says, don't you know? Wouldn't you know I'm in the temple doing God's work? I mean, He is my Father, right? You ought to know this. No, they didn't get it. They didn't understand. The Bible says Mary kept this in her heart several times through the Gospels. As you read through the Gospels, you'll notice the Bible says Mary kept these things in her heart and pondered them. You know what that means? That means she thought about them. Like Carrie's grandma used to say, well, I need to study on that a while. I mean, she need to think about it, you know? Because she didn't... Can you imagine the difficulty of having one perfect child and the other's not perfect? (laughs) I mean, when they fight, you always know whose problem it is, right? But you can't always just get on to the one. 
And think about this, he's perfect. If you ever have conflict with your child, you know whose fault that is, right? But it doesn't seem that way. I mean, this was a difficult life that they were setting themselves up for. In addition to that, Mary is told by the prophet that he's going to break her heart, that her heart will be broken, and I have no doubt, I can't imagine what she went through to watch her son hang on the cross. So we've talked about Mary and Joseph. They were, I think you would say, they were fine people, right? I mean, they're the kind of people we would welcome in this church, right? We would want them to be a part of this church. They are good people. They're the kind of people you'd like to live next door to, right? They're the kind of people you'd like to work with, right? They are good people. Now we've come full circle back to the story. Jesus is with a bunch of people and He's preaching. Now He's grown up in this house. They've seen Him grow up. He knows who His mom and daddy are. He knows who His brothers are. But He's here preaching and they, still not understanding everything, they come and they want to talk to Jesus. So they want Jesus to stop preaching for a while and come out and talk to them. Now is that a big problem? I could easily, if my mom showed up right now and she said, it's a crisis, I, I need to talk to you, I'd tell all you guys, you know what, let's sing a couple of songs, I'll be back in a minute. Or I might say, hey Matt, would you finish up for me and step outside? It's not what happened. We read what happened. Jesus is here teaching and while He was still talking to the multitudes, behold, His mother and brother stood outside seeking to speak with him. Then one said to him, Look, your mother and your brothers are standing outside seeking to speak with you. But he answered and said to the one who told him, Who is my mother and who are my brothers? Who is my mother? Why would Jesus say that? What did he mean? I want you to think about that just for a moment. Think about it. Why do you think Jesus? While he's preaching, mom and brothers come, and he says, Who is my brother? Who are my mothers? And then he says this He stretched out his hands toward his disciples and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Well, now that's weird because those people who were listening. That, his mom really wasn't one of those people, right? His brothers, those people really weren't his brothers. So mom and brothers come, say, hey, can we talk to you? He goes, who are they? Who's my mother and brothers? He said, I'll tell you what, these are my mother and my brothers. What did he mean by that? What was Jesus saying? The answer is found in the very next verse. The very next verse says this, whoever, For whoever does the will of My Father in heaven is My brother and sister and mother. Whoever does the will of My Father in heaven is My family. That's what Jesus was saying. He was saying, you know what? The relationship that you have with Me makes you a part of My family. 
Now, I'll tell you this. Mary was morally upstanding. Mary was spiritually concerned. Mary was a woman of great faith. All those things are true about her. Mary was a woman who suffered under very difficult circumstances in her life, but always had faith and served God. All of that stuff's true, but you know, there are lots and lots of other women that have been that way throughout the history of the world, and we don't know their names. Why do you know Mary's name? You would say, well, she was the mother of Jesus, right? That's the reason you know Mary's name. She was the mother of Jesus. You know Mary's name not because she was morally upstanding, not because she was spiritually concerned, not because she had great faith. You know Mary's name because of her relationship with Jesus Christ. That's why you know who she was. Because of the relationship that he had, she had with Jesus. And the same is true of Joseph. Okay? Now, the point that I want to draw for you this morning, and I want you to consider, is that what makes someone a family member of Jesus is someone who does the will of the Father in heaven. And you see, people who do the will of the Father in heaven are my brothers and my sisters and my mothers and my fathers. You know, I've got brothers and sisters and family all over the United States. In fact, all over the world. I've got brothers and sisters, mothers and fathers and children over in Nigeria because they're people who share in the family of Christ with me because they do the will of the Father in heaven. Now, the day will come someday when you will be judged and your judgment, when you stand on the day of judgment, the Bible says that Jesus is going to say to some people, welcome to the Father, and to others He's going to say, depart from Me because I never knew you. You see, ultimately, you and me, we will be judged based on our relationship with Jesus Christ. Do you need to be morally upstanding? Yes, you do. That's part of the will of the Father. Do you need to be spiritually concerned? Yes, you do. That's part of the will of the Father. Do you need to have great faith? Yes, you do. That's part of the will of the Father. But you can be all of those things and if, you're, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ that makes you a part of His family, then ultimately your judgment will be one of being forgotten eternally instead of being one who is remembered eternally. Now today, this is Christmas Eve, right? We're all going to celebrate over the next day or two family getting together and exchanging gifts and singing Christmas carols. In fact, after we're done here, we're going to go and sing to some of our family who can't be here today who's stuck in a nursing home. And we're going to share that love of Christ over this next couple of days. But you know, just taking part in these celebrations doesn't give you a relationship with God. It's a choice of direction of life. It's a choice that I am going to learn about Jesus and I'm going to believe that He's God's Son and I'm going to follow Him and I'm going to be morally upstanding and spiritually concerned and have great faith. 
but I'm going to do all those because of my relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm going to quit making excuses. And I'm going to quit trying to explain it away. Or I'm going to quit pushing it out of my mind. And I'm going to say, you know what? This will be the year, 2023, at the end of the year, that I made that change. And I'll for the rest of my life be able to look back and go, you know, I wasted some time. But the end of 2023, I put the peg in the ground. I drove my stake and I said, from here on, I'm going to be a part of the family of God. I'm going to be the part of the family of Jesus. And that's the message that I have for you. Make that commitment. Have that relationship with God. And if you'll do that, someday you'll be eternally remembered by the Father and the Son. But if you won't, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. I encourage you, if you're not right with God, we have a song of invitation. We'd like to pray for you. You can be baptized into Christ. We can do whatever is needed to help you be right with God today. If you'll come to the front and make that need known while we stand and sing.